Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Hallelujah. Hey, good morning. How are you feeling this morning? I was out of town this week uh, at a conference with our network, which was really good. Good time in the presence of the Lord, which is always great. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. We're running a little late because Kellyanne decided to come anointed. So uh, <clears throat> this is like a little mini cup, honey. This is like a little mini water. <laughs> like junior size. Don't be too thirsty. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It's a cute little water bottle. All right. Are you in Acts chapter 5? We're, gonna, we're continuing our message series of 40 Days of Personal Revival. And uh, how many of you are enjoying this so far? How many yeah, are you enjoying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I am experiencing the presence of God. I'm experiencing, I'm just, this is good. It's good for me. I like being around Jesus because he's life. And I have found life better than death. Amen? Amen, amen, <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. All right, let's read this. <clears throat> I was going to paraphrase, but let's just read the word of God. Acts chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 17. And if you remember, <clears throat> the, uh, the disciples, they, they were doing uh, Christian stuff, right? They were healing people, right? They were doing, seeing miracles. Peter's shadow was crossing over people. And as his shadow crossed over, people were being healed. And there were people getting saved. It was a good time. And so, <clears throat> verse 17, But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors, but when we had opened up, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Huh. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people and they might be stoned. When they brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. Huh. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God's exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God had given to those who obey him. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Hallelujah. 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 <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> amen. 
You know, I can't read the Bible before I go into bed. A lot of people do. They read the Bible in the morning. They read at night before they go to bed. I get too excited reading the Bible. And so if I want to go to bed, I can't read the Bible because I get too worked up and I can't fall asleep. So I got to read stuff that puts me to sleep. And the Bible never puts me to sleep. And this is exciting to me because when I read these words, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see a history lesson. I see a today lesson. I see what the Lord is speaking to us today. Amen? I see what is possible right now. And I see its application all over our lives. I'm not going to go long today, uh, but I really want to encourage you. I want you to leave here encouraged, and I want to leave here truly encouraged, meaning leaving with courage. I want to give you courage today. Amen? <clears throat> what we see in this, in this story, uh, we, we can see lots of stuff, but, but, but what, what I see in this story is there's this historic battle that we see all throughout the book of Acts. And in fact, we see it all throughout the Gospels. We see it in the New Testament. We see this battle between fear and faith. We see the battle between fear and faith. And it's not like there are two warring armies that are fighting each other. There is faith and there is fear that wants to come and steal it. Hear me. God and the devil are not at war. God has defeated the devil and the devil does not accept defeat. Hear me. Jesus is not, there's no war in the heavens where we don't know if good or evil is going to win. Jesus has won every single time. He continues to win. He's winning right now. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Jesus is winning. There is no battle between light and dark. The light overcomes the darkness, right? Anytime you want to overcome darkness, all you have to do is turn on the light. Yeah. Jesus comes into a room and he wins every time. I've never seen, I don't know if you've ever seen Jesus. I don't know if you've seen him in a vision. Maybe the Lord gave you an impression in your heart. Maybe you saw him. I, I doubt anybody in this room has ever seen Jesus in a vision, in a prophecy, ever seen Jesus fighting anything. Jesus reigns. He reigns. And wherever you ever see him, he is reigning. Have you ever seen Jesus in a vision concerned or fighting or in a battle? I've never once seen it because he's not in one. He has overcome the devil. I, we need to get this in our spirit. It's, 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 there's, no, there's no fearful war and we're not sure how things are going to turn out. It already ended. The war already ended. We're not going to fight it again. The devil's not going to, you know, Jesus like, well, I'm not sure. I'm a little tired. Let's release him and we'll have another fight. No, it's not. That's not what's happening. He won. And the devil is a defeated foe. Amen. It's like it's not coming back. Jesus won. Faith overcomes fear. And fear wants to make you think that the, that the fight is not over yet. Fear wants you to think that there's still a battle to fight. Fear wants you to think that there is a foe that could overcome you, but there really isn't. Fear wants to open a door to a world that you're not even a part of. Are you hearing me? And so we see this historic battle between fear and faith in the lives of the disciples of Jesus. And if there's any disciples of Jesus in this room today, I'm here to let you know that the devil wants to make you scared of him. He wants to draw close to you so you can be fearful of him. But Jesus has overcome the devil. Jesus has overcome the devil. The power of God comes to set you free. That's what he has come for. Your 
The power of God has come to set you free. Let me say that again. The power of God has come to set you free. Now, what he set you free from may be not things you want to get free from. He has come to set you free. And, and I need you to see this. In those moments that you're closest to God, Kelly and I, Kellyanne and I were having a great conversation about uh, the presence of God and why it's so important that we have things like the burning room where you can just fall drunk in love with Jesus. Because when you're drunk in love, you do stupid stuff. When you're drunk in love, you say things that you later regret because you expose too much of your heart. When you're drunk in love, you make commitments that you're later on were like, I'm not sure that was wise. Because wisdom comes against faith. Wisdom comes against love. The kind of love Jesus called us to is neither wise nor calculating. It's, it's all giving. Jesus completely gave all of himself for us. He made himself completely vulnerable to us. Fear had no place in his life. He, was not, he, was, he didn't measure his words for fear that we wouldn't keep them. He fully laid out his love for us. Do, do you hear this? And so Jesus, this power of God has come to set you free. So we need to be in places where the love of God so saturates us that we'll make commitments that we wouldn't make sober. Like if I were to ask you right now, will you give away your car for love? You'd probably say, no, I don't know that I would. But when you're drunk in love with Jesus in the moment that he comes into the room and he says, listen, I just need you to trust me and give away your car. You're like, you got it, man. Whatever you want. You got it. And then you get out of love and you're like, whoo, was that really God? I need four confirmations, two prophecies and a new car before I will obey that word. <laughs> right? And that's why Jesus wants us just to live drunk in love. We just live in a place of love that we are constantly giving all. Now, unfortunately, if we're not fully engaged in love, in Jesus, Jesus wants to, wants to set us free from things that keep us from living in love with him. Unfortunately, sometimes those are the most important things in our lives. Biblically, those things are called idols, but that's not, we're not going that far this morning. Anything that's more important than obeying Jesus, you know, biblically is an idol, right? Right? Um, but Jesus has come to set us free. And here's the, here's the other part I want you to know. Your freedom in Christ is offensive to the religious spirit. Your freedom is offensive to the religious spirit. It's absolutely offensive to the religious spirit. They do not understand why you would worship the way you worship, why you would give the way you give, why you would love the way you love, why you would trust the way you trust, why you would live a radical life. They don't understand why you would move to be closer to a presence of God. They don't understand why you would give up your nights to be in Jesus' presence. They just have no grid. The religious spirit has no grid for faith. It just has no grid. And so it's offensive. And so what we see in the scriptures time and again is those who operate in the religious spirit are trying to control those who operate in the liberty of love. They did it with Jesus over and over and over again. I was just studying this week the passage uh, where Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And, uh, and, and, and the Bible says that they were uh, waiting for him on the Sabbath to heal so that they could bring a charge against him. Now, if you're around somebody who's getting so many people healed, that you're waiting that they'll heal at the wrong moment, you are looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, right. yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
You are looking at the wrong. Come on, you're looking at the wrong thing. And I got to wonder. <clears throat> this is the other thing this tells me. Jesus never sinned. Amen. All right, I'm going to say this lightly, right? <clears throat> Jesus never sinned. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. No sin in him. He is the will of God expressed. Yeah. He is the perfect representation of the Father's will. And he consistently broke the law. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means the way most of those people viewed the law was wrong. Because we know the scriptures are real. But what they said they meant was not. Otherwise, Jesus would be in sin and we have no Savior. So what those scriptures meant in that day, they had wrong. <clears throat> when you begin to fellowship with Jesus, He is going to challenge your concept of following God. <laughs> he is going to challenge it. I... um. <clears throat> I, uh, I had, man, Jen, I'm not sure that outline's going to do any good today. I'm just going to leave it like that. <clears throat> I, um, <clears throat> I had been raised in a Christian system. Now, hear me. Hear this whole thought before, I, before you judge me. <clears throat> and then you can judge me all you want. <clears throat> I had been raised in a Christian system that men and women were mostly equal. Mostly equal. And women could do most of the stuff that men could do, except for some certain positions they couldn't hold. And I'm not even going to detail the lack of logic in what was told to me, the lack of biblical sense in what was taught. So I don't want to contaminate you with the false teaching. But let's just leave it at. Women were anointed, they could minister, but not every position that men could have, right? <clears throat> and so one day I was at a party of a, uh, of a Christian friend that I knew who was not spirit-filled, and I don't know that anybody there was spirit-filled, uh, but there was a couple and the Lord told me, he said, hey, go to that woman and let her know that she has an apostolic call in her life. And I said, Lord, women can't have apostolic calls on their life. Now, I said that to myself because I know not to tell God he's wrong, right? Because I've learned when I'm in a conversation with God and somebody's wrong, 100% of the time it's me. I've never had an argument with God and he's like, snap, you're right. <laughs> My bad. Let's just go ahead and go your way, right? It's never, ever, ever happened. And so I go to this woman and I say, hey, I was over there and like everything in this conversation makes no sense to this woman. I was over there and I was having a conversation with Jesus and he told me to come tell you that there's an apostolic call in your life. And she looked at me like, what? Like, have you been drinking too much punch? Like what's happening, right? But I released the word, and, and more importantly, you know, later her and her husband established a, a church, and she's, you know, she's doing great things. I'm sure she doesn't remember me, even though I released the anointing upon her and telling her that. But more importantly, <clears throat> more importantly, I released the anointing upon myself to, 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 to listen to the voice of God over the teaching of man. Amen? Now, let me tell you this. <clears throat> I feel like I have to touch on this subject for a moment, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with my message. I may not talk about this next service because the Lord just brought it to mind. Now, um, <clears throat> I believe that men and women, I just, I just believe, uh, as we talked last week, that in the garden, huh, there were several effects of the fall of man. Remember we talked about that last? We talked about the spiritual separation, the physical separation from the creation, the psychological separation from ourselves, and the social separation. Now, the Bible says that God created man and woman in the, in the garden. Yes? Are you with me? Yeah. And the Bible says he gave them dominion. Yeah. Yeah. 
them. You think of man dominion over her. He gave them dominion. Now later, when the fall happened, then there was separation of man and woman. Jesus comes, he negates the effect of the curse. The curse is broken. Now we're in the process of the restoration of all things. So we look at the Bible, people say, well, what about the scriptures that say uh, uh, the keep silent scriptures, right? The women keep silent scriptures, right? W-K-S-S, right? The women keep silent scriptures. Well, we can look at those as long as we look at every what did women do scriptures. And when you look at the New Testament, you see women doing amazing things. And you can't look at the women keep silent scriptures without looking at the what did women do scriptures. You can't look at the women keep silent scriptures without saying, without looking at the woman by the well who Jesus ministered to and then became an evangelist. It would be unbiblical to look at one without the other. It's unbiblical to say that there are men who are apostles, but not say that Priscilla and Aquila were received as apostles. If women were apostles in the New Testament church that wrote the scripture, then clearly that scripture doesn't mean what we want to say it to mean. And so what we can do is we can get a religious structure that puts rules around people and not listen to what actually Jesus said. Does this make sense to anybody? All you got to do is meet some of the women around here and realize God actually does use women. And so when you see that God uses women, you have to, come on, amen. You, you Come on. <clears throat> And you have to view the scripture through what Jesus is doing, not through what some guy in some other state in some other time decided that the scripture says. I, I, it's funny. Gosh, this is, man, just, just buckle up for the ride, folks. I don't know what to tell you here. <clears throat> we like to, um, evangelicals and uh, charismatics, we, you know, many like to point fingers at the, at the Catholics, say they follow a pope, but man, we got our own popes. Depending on what theology you come from. We got our own popes and what they say all of a sudden t tells us what the scriptures mean. I want to listen to Jesus. Amen? Amen? There is no mediator between God and man other than Christ Jesus. And we need to hear his voice. Hallelujah. All right, so I'm going to rush through what I have left here. Is, that, is this okay? Listen, if you're a woman and you're ever told that you have to be silent because you're... Now, some of you need to be quiet because you need to be quiet, right? Like, some people need to be quiet. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. Like, some people just need to be quiet, right? But if you were told to be quiet because you're a woman, man, I just, I just repent on behalf of the church. I just repent on behalf of every man who got his meaning and got his worth out of just being better than you. It's just kind of... It's not biblical. And uh, I just pray that you would forgive the church for putting you into that bondage. Uh, and, and I forgive you for not coming here sooner so you could be free of that bondage. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> God has come to set you free, not put you under bondage. Now listen, he'll set you see, free from sin, which puts you free, free, right? We repent of sin and we get free. But he, he, he's, he's, your freedom is, is really offensive to the religious. And, and we see here in the scripture, the Bible says that the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. Filled with jealousy. Listen, the devil hates you because he is jealous of your relationship with God. Hear it again. 
The devil hates you because he is jealous of your relationship with God. He's not going to kill you because he can't. He's not going to destroy you. He's not. I mean, God has got you. They were filled with jealousy. And when you don't have faith in God, like many times, when we don't have faith in God, we get jealous of people who do. We get jealous of the favor on one person's life uh, because of their faith in God. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> fear wants you to stay in a dead end rut. Fear wants you to stay trapped in man. I just I, I feel so bad uh, for people who have chronic uh, mental health issues, because you, you, we, they begin, we begin living a life that keeps us trapped in those mental health issues. Like the anxious think that they can get free of anxiety by not provoking it somehow. And so they live a life of bondage so that the anxiety doesn't ever rise up. As if that bondage is ever going to let you be free. Right? Like... Um, People are afraid they're not going to have friends or people aren't going to like them or people are going to find out they did things wrong or just afraid that we don't measure up or people are going to find out, you know, that, that false, like, oh, they're going to find out I'm, I'm a fraud or I'm a fake or like people are going to find out I'm not as smart as they are. You know, I, just tell people. Just get it over with. Like, let's just, like, if you're worried in the end that this is going to happen <clears throat> and it's not going away, <clears throat> if it's been a month, a year, a decade, just begin, just get to the end of that so you can move past it. Like, you're worried about this thing is going to come. And then it's all going to be over. Well, if it's, if it's in your life for 10 years, just bring that ultimate thing now so you can move past it, right? Like people go and they turn themselves into jail because they're tired of living out of fear of being arrested and going to jail. So they're like, finally, just, I'm just going to go to jail and get it over with. And then they get out of jail and they get to live life. Are you hearing me? Just go, just, just see. I want you to just go see. Just let people know. Like, listen, I'm, I'm terrified right now and I don't know why. I have no reason to be terrified. I have no reason to be depressed. I have no reason to be other, but I am. And I, I'm fearful you're going to find out. And so I'm now letting you know. And you know what they're going to say? Huh. Okay. Now about that thing we were talking about. Yeah. And now it's out there. And now you just, see, the devil is terrified that you're going to bring him to light. Because once the light comes in, he has no authority over you. He can't blackmail you anymore. Once you have let everybody know that he's there, he can't blackmail you anymore. But he wants you to keep him in the dark so that he can blackmail you. You got to bring him into the light. You got to bring him in the light. Say, this is, yeah, I just want to let you know this is what's going through my head. This is what's been happening. Now, you don't have to tell everybody all the stupid ways you deal with it, right? Like, you can keep some of that hidden, right? I mean, don't tell people how dumb you've been dealing with it necessarily. You know, you can save that from some, you know, some counselors and whatnot, you know, because can we just be honest here? Don't tell everybody how you've been dealing with it because some people can't, they, you're not going to be able to see past that. But... <laughs> Can we just be real? Can we be real? But you need to tell people, hey, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm out of temper, and I don't, you know, and I'm scared people are going to find out I have a bad temper, and the devil's been blackmailing me, and I'm, you know, okay, well, great, you know. But don't tell them, you know, I'm punching holes in walls, or I'm kicking my dog, or all that. Don't tell them that part, right? Tell that to your pastor, or your, your disciple, whoever disciples you. Does this, does this make sense? Yeah? I hope that's a good word. Ten minutes. All right, here we go. But fear wants you to stay in that thing. You know why? Because it works. It's working in your life. Right? Fear wants you to stay in a dead end rut. And, 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 and the enemy has a PhD in doing this, right? He wants this, this spirit of religion, wants to keep you in this old wineskin, doesn't want you to come into the new things of God. 
You're like, well, this worked in 1977, you know, so I'm just my, my pastor, Dr. Leroy, whatever, has been doing this and I've been doing it. Well, the spirit of religion wants to keep you stuck in 1977. Spirit of poverty wants to keep you from being generous. This, this, this spirit of fear wants to keep you from experiencing the reality of God. It wants you to <clears throat> try to live a safe life. But you know this scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is who Christ is. Amen? This is who the Holy Spirit empowers you to be. Now, we're going to do a little quiz here. Are you ready? <clears throat> Nobody shout out the answer right away. It's a fill in the blank. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Nobody shout out the answer. Ready? Put up our quiz here. Fill in the blank. Jesus said, take up your blank and follow me. Now, many people, I know, I know you think you know the answer to this, but we don't necessarily live like we know the answer. Let's put up the options here, if you would. Did you say, pick up your sword and follow me? So it... <clears throat> Anytime people come against you, attack them. <clears throat> Did Jesus say, take up your right to an easy life and follow me? Jesus would never want me to do that because that looks so difficult. Jesus wants me to do this right here. Jesus, take up your self-righteousness and follow me. You know those dirty people who aren't as Christian as you. You need to let them know that they don't have a good life because they're not like you. Is this what he said? Did he say, pick up your cross and follow me? Is that what he said? Like, be prepared to die every day. Literally. That's like, just go ahead and buy your, like, can you imagine? Like, we're going to have an altar call at the end of service. And if you come, let us know that you've already bought a coffin. <clears throat> we, got a, we got a booth out there in the lobby. You can buy your coffin, then you can come be a follower of Christ Jesus. We would just be like, what kind of cult am I in? But these are the words of Jesus. You want to follow me? Like at any, any moment you could die and you're going to help them. Wow. You're going to help them. Wow. You're going to help them kill you. They're going to want to kill you and you're going to, just, you're going to supply everything they need. This is the great, amazing prosperity call of Jesus Christ right here. <clears throat> but look at the wisdom in this thing. If you're ready to die, what can anybody do to you? Fear has no power over you if you're already ready to die. <clears throat> say, okay, let's, let's look at it this way. <clears throat> let's say you're kidnapped. Let's say you're kidnapped and they take you to <clears throat> Pakistan, right? You're in Pakistan, Muslims everywhere. <clears throat> Imagine, you're kidnapped, they take you to Pakistan. They got you in a little cell, they got the, they got the axe thing, they're cutting people's you know, heads off with, and they got guns, and they say to you, you know, hey, you're a Christian, right? Renounce Christ. No way, I'm not renouncing Christ, I'm a believer. All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's the day, get the tapes rolling, get the camera rolling. We're going to let everybody know that you're really a failure. That's what we're going to do. I know you're scared everybody's going to find out, but that's what we're going to do if you're not going to renounce Christ. What would you say? Sign me up. Well, you know, that, is that the punishment? That's it? People are just going to find out I'm not that great? Sign me up. <laughs> okay. That's all it takes to follow Jesus? All right. Sign me up. But people live their lives manipulating their entire lives to keep that from happening. 
They live their whole lives that way. Oh no, people are going to find out that I'm scared. Okay. (laughs) All right. Hallelujah. So when this fear thing comes, you got to look at it. Come on, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to encourage you today. You got to look at this thing. Is this better than dying or worse? Because Jesus said to bring a cross. Do I need the cross today or am I just going to have my little anxiety exposed? Oh, it's just, okay, sign me up. (laughs) Sign me up. Right? You start getting fearful in your heart or you start getting a little worried in your heart. You start getting a little, eh, I don't know. Wants me to give this offering. I don't know. Wait a minute. Should I give this? Is this this giving $100 to somebody I don't like? Is this better or worse than being murdered? Oh, I don't have to use my cross today? Okay, I'm down, God. Here's $100, right? (laughs) You know, um, this message is just... If you want to hear this message, just come, come next, next uh, service. I was with uh, Cameron Wright today, uh, this weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, this week. And, you know, the news had a lot about Andrew Brunson on it in the last couple of years. They called him the Presbyterian pastor. I don't, I, don't, I don't know, this isn't like super public news, but here's what happened. Um, Andrew Brunson got touched by the river of God, and they kicked him out of the Presbyterian church, and they took his building away. And he became part of our network. And so he's over in Turkey, and they keep calling him a Presbyterian pastor. But the Presbyterians had already kicked him out, right? Because like, he got touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, he was in there. They thought he was going to be in there you know, for a couple months in jail. And he was actually there for two years. And he got out, and his wife said, well, no, actually, not true. Dan Slate told me this. He, um, <clears throat> he said, you know, I'm so sorry that we didn't get you out that first year. We really tried. And he said, he said no. I was in, he was in a, a, a cell that was uh, built for seven people, and they had like 25 in it or something like that for the first, for the first year or so. And then he got into a seven-man cell that only had like 10 in it or something like that. And, uh, <clears throat> and he was in a state of panic the first year. He was a, he's like, this didn't go public, but I was a basket case that first year. I was completely, uh, I, I didn't have my right mind. I was in a state of mental breakdown for an entire year. And, uh, and they were like, we're so sorry we didn't get you out earlier. And he said, no, 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 I needed that second year. I needed that second year to strengthen my faith in Christ. Now, I want to be able to give that answer without going through two years of jail in a Muslim prison in Turkey. Amen. It had no no heat, had no air conditioning. So in the summer, it was sweltering. In the winter, it was super cold. But we have to daily decide, listen, I'm following Jesus today. Today, I'm following Jesus, right? And so the enemy wants to intimidate you like the, like, the, like the council did? Like, no. Like, Jesus told me this might happen. Listen, I want to quote Chris Valentine. He says, <clears throat> says, the dogs of doom stand at the doors of your destiny. When you hear them barking, you know you're near your promised land. Instead, we just let a little barking dog keep us from God's best for us. Like, man. Fear wants to be your God. Fear desperately wants to be your God. And that's how the Sadducees had ruled all that time. Fear. And I tell you what, you know. The worst they can do to you is send you to heaven. If we live our life that way, imagine how free we could be. Imagine how much we could accomplish for Christ. Imagine, Imagine if we just say, I don't want to do this, but I know this is the right thing to do and God's grace will be there. 
What would your life look like if we make God God? Are, are, are you with me? Are you with me? I have a whole bunch of great stuff I'm not going to talk to you about. Let's fast forward. You're not alone in following Jesus. You're not alone. The angels showed up at their prison to set them free. Listen, the angels are still ministering to you in your bondage. The angels are still setting people free when you feel bound to this life, when you feel like I'm not going to make it, when you feel like I'm not going to get ahead. Jesus has set you free to be a witness of his freedom. He has set you free to be a witness of his freedom. Look at this, Acts 5.20. He said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple. They got arrested for speaking to people in the temple. The angels set them free and said, listen, I need you to go do that. Well, why would you have me do that? They're arresting you because you're doing what I want you to do. I, that's what I want you to do is the important part of this conversation. And a little fear of intimidation keeps people from following God. The reason you got free is to tell people how you got free. Does this make sense? The enemy's ultimate goal is that you won't tell anybody about him. And so he'll use any means possible. He'll say things like, you're not really free, or he'll say, you don't really know him, or you have to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with before you tell people. And if that's what it takes, then why would the devil ever stop? Fear wants you to take your faith off of Jesus and onto yourself. Fear wants you to look at yourself. Look at this, Acts 28. This is what they said to them. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. All they really cared about was their own safety. The devil lies to you because it keeps him safe. He's creating a home in you where he can be safe. And all it takes for you to disempower him is to tell the truth and share the light. This is what I'm dealing with. Mike, come on up. This is what I'm dealing with. Jesus is alive, though. And so they come to the disciples. They tell them, listen, can you put up 529? Hallelujah. They come, it's not in my notes, so it's not her fault. She's like, oh, <clears throat> let's look at it together. 529, he says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. I'm just going to obey God. But there's a thousand ways that peer pressure comes to try to rob you of your faith in God and to keep you from following him and to worry about yourself instead of the cause of Christ. Here's how Peter answered. He says, watch this. Here's what he says. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Peter didn't preach himself. The disciples didn't preach themselves. They didn't say, my life is perfect, you need to be like me. Right? 
Oh, why are you going to church? Why are you doing all this? Why are you talking about Jesus? Why are you reading your Bible? Hey, uh, you know, God raised up Jesus Christ to be the Savior. And I'm a witness that he has set people free. That's why I talk about Jesus. This is why I worship. This is why I do devotions. This is why I choose not to go and sin with you. Because God has set me free. Well, I see you do this, that, and the other. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in the process of being a disciple. But Jesus Christ has been exalted as Lord. And whatever I do doesn't change that. Amen? This is how they answered. They answered, listen, with the gospel. They answered with the gospel. The gospel sets you free. So when you're in these, 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 um, in these, in these conversations and you're fearful of your response, share the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Are you with me? Stand with me. Let's pray. Fear wants to stop you witness. Fear wants to stop your witness. Because your witness is your freedom. What's the Bible say? They overcame the enemy with what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. I just feel like we plead the blood too much and don't give the word of our testimony enough. <clears throat> What is your testimony? Your testimony is that Jesus Christ was born from a virgin. He never sinned. He was murdered for the sins of man. He was buried in a tomb. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven and one day he's coming back for you. That's your testimony right there. That your faith in him brought you into a new family where no longer sin has dominion over you. Come on. That no longer does the enemy have power over you, but now you are a child of God. That is your testimony. Your testimony is that you're perfect. Your testimony is that you're never nervous. Your testimony is that you're never depressed. Your testimony is not that you're never broke. Your testimony is not that you have the perfect family. Your testimony is that you will live forever with Jesus Christ in heaven. That, come on. That is your testimony. <clears throat> And so when the enemy comes and barks in your ear or your friend at work wants to gossip about you or, or your, your classmate wants to kind of talk about you because you're not doing the stuff they're doing. Hey, what do you say? What do you do? Hey, Jesus Christ, am I dying today? No, I'm good. Is anything they say going to keep me from going to heaven when I die? No, I'm good. Hallelujah. Why do they want to stop your testimony? Why do they want to? Because they're centered on themselves. What does that mean about me? What does that mean about me? Acts 5.33. But when they heard this gospel of Jesus Christ, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and attended it. Because that's what happens. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it touches hearts. It touches hearts. Now, many of these people wanted to kill them. The Bible shows us that. Many, 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 many of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Levites and the priests became believers. We don't talk about that enough. It's not like there were Christians and the Jews didn't get saved. Scores of them, thousands, multitudes of leaders in the temple got saved. They were preaching the gospel. They were praying for the sick. They were lifting their voice. This is what we're called to do in this house. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ha. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers, pray with me. Come on. <clears throat> Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that your gospel sets people free. Ministry team, come forward. I just feel like we're going to set some people free from some mental nonsense this morning. 
Shekaba. Ha. Ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you, Lord, that you set them free so that they could be free. Not for another yoke of bondage, but to be free. Not so they had to put on a new fake religious mask, but so they could be free. Free. Free of the concern of what people say. Free of the bondage of not following God. Free of being scared to tell people about Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, I want to give you an opportunity to become a Christ follower this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it's really not the wisest choice to make in life. Give an opportunity for you to just kind of just ask Jesus to forgive you of being stupid and not following him. And just make a decision to be a follower. Amen? Amen? And we're all going to say this prayer together. And if this is the first time you said this prayer, afterwards, I want you to come forward and pray with one of these wonderful people. Are you ready? I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to follow after me. Say, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I've done things that were wrong. I knew they were wrong. But I did them anyways. Everybody with your voice. I'm asking you, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. And give me a new start. Today, I declare that you are my God. And I have no other gods. I believe that you were born from a virgin. That you never sinned. And that you were beaten and murdered for me. That you were buried in a grave for me. And you rose on the third day for me. That you went up into heaven. And right now you're praying for me. And one day you're coming back for me. So today, receive me as your child. And I receive you as my God. I turn from the old things and I turn toward the new things of God. Fill me with your spirit and give me power to be a witness. And I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on.